And we've been quoted for more than a couple of decades, and it's been really interesting to see how the company has managed to transform itself over that period and turn into a very high-growth fintech. And I think you know there's there's challenges with any capital structure if you're a privately held business or a publicly held business if you're under the auspices of aggressive private equity or more genial venture capitalists. It really doesn't matter. It's just a different set of pressures and challenges. But I think the important thing for us is to keep focused on what really matters, You know, which is you do the right thing by the customer and you look after the staff and you've got the right balance between driving the numbers and investing for the future. Then over the medium term, long term, you will be successful. And I think for, for me and the team here, we've got our obligations to our public market investors but there are broader stakeholders that we are very conscious of as well and and that really drives us. We talk about obligations to public market investors the thing about being a a quoted company is there not an extra layer of cost in there that an awful lot of other fintechs don't have? There is an extra layer of cost you're absolutely right I mean there are things that we have to do and indeed next week we're reporting. And so there are things we can't actually talk about right now? There's things we can't actually talk about right now, quite quite right. Um, although I would say we did a trading update in January, so you shouldn't expect any no major huge deviations. surprises. No, indeed. But you're right. I mean, you know, the reporting season that we're in right now or at the half year. But, but actually what's more interesting is what you do every day, every week, every month in the business that I think can have some really positive sides to it. So, you know, we're very transparent. You know, we've got a good handle on what goes on in the business. We've got a big focus on the data and how it comes together so that the board has excellent visibility into the operations of the company. And we're very transparent about how we manage risk. And all of that are, you know, things that come with the governance expectations in the public markets and the code and the day-to-day operations so that we can deliver to that set of stakeholders. But all of that's got some advantages as well. You cannot tell me it's not a good thing to have a well-run, well-governed, transparent business. Having started off by throwing a brick saying, is this not a problem? I would argue, as you have just done, that there is a credibility to being a quoted company, to having that structure. Has that of itself helped you in good standing with some of your clients? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you if you think about who our clients are, we predominantly play in capital markets. We also have some very large global corporates. They want to know that they're working with a fintech that can bring all of the exciting aspects of innovation, new technology, bright, talented people that go with that fintech branding, if you will. But at the end of the day, they also want to know they've got somebody they can rely upon who understands their issues, can work, you know, deliver bank grade, top quality support that they can look into the finance and the operations of and build confidence. We're not a fly-by-night fintech. Come up with an exciting idea, but cannot execute on it, doesn't understand how banks work, can't relate to customers who have big processes, etc, etc. So, you know, we bridge both worlds. And I think that's one of the, you know, the really interesting things about being a innovative fintech, doing great stuff, but also who understands how to work with large quoted or process driven organisations who need to know their partners 
understand their world. One of the things that worries me about the fintech sector is some of the parallels I see with the first burst of enthusiasm about the internet. I, I worry that some young private companies are actually more impressed by themselves and their burn rate, as it used to be called, (laughs) than actually being profitable, making money, and planning for the future on that side of things. As a quoted company of a number of years standing, this is not an issue that I would face dealing with you. The important thing is that when you make investments, that they are properly challenged. And that's what our board does on behalf of our investors. So we don't race off and build a load of tech for the hell of it. We're not doing it for ourselves. In fact, quite the opposite. Our whole innovation model is based on one premise, which is we build innovation in conjunction with a customer and in in conjunction with a customer whose problems are repeatable in the industry. And so we don't build stuff, in fact, without an early adopter already working with us. And if you look at all of the great things that we have launched over the last half dozen years that we've been working in in this space, our transaction control offering, two early adopters there, our regulatory solutions offering, two early adopters over in, in the US, our cash management solution, the next generation, we've publicly announced we have an innovation partnership with ANZ Bank. So absolutely every major tech investment we have lined up with an industry participant to build it together with a clear understanding that we keep the IP, they get the, the march on the market, if you will, but actually we're solving intractable industry problems where the whole industry can, can benefit. So I think that's how we approach it, to ensure that we don't just go off and build exciting stuff that we feel great about, but nobody buys it, and investors don't see a return. So it's, it's a pretty fundamental difference, I think. Looking longer term... How do you see the business evolving over the next three to five years? We look at the business in really three pillars, if you will. It's the same core technology, but three different areas where we see the market is moving very fast. And so what we're focused on is is growing our market share in those distinct areas. And we've talked about, in fact, two of them already. Regulatory is a big one. So there is a massive focus on quality of regulatory data. And that's a huge problem for the major institutions, trade and transaction reporting, sending off to the regulators. They know they're getting some of it wrong, but they need to know which bits they're getting wrong. And we think that's a problem that the banks, even though the phase of rollout of the the statutory requirements around the world, I think we've been through a peak there. But actually, the, the really you're more optimistic than I. Am. No, I am. I think you know if you look back at the stream of regs that have come around the world in the last ten years, I actually do think we're I won't say through the worst of it, but we've got a bit of breathing space. And, and right now, capital markets firms are focused on industrialising their infrastructure so that it is more sustainable, it's lower cost, that they're doing regulatory reporting across all jurisdictions for all particular regs in a way where they're not doing it each and every time. So for us, I think that's a huge space. I think helping institutions unravel all of that spaghetti to make sure that it's streamlined and that the data flows that they can have complete confidence in. So that's for us is one big area. 
The second area is what we do in cash management. And you only have to look at what's going on right now in the world and see how firms are worried about liquidity with COVID-19, for example, and potential impact on global trade. You know, liquidity, managing cash, having visibility of it, having control over payments. This is a huge area that we've been working on for quite a few years, but where I think firms are still struggling. And then the, the third area, which in some ways is our what we would regard as our core business, is what we do with predominantly capital markets, but also energy trading, insurance firms, just helping them with their core, the quality of their transaction data. And you know, in banking speak, that's reconciliations, but it's an endemic problem across all industries that have got fast-flowing, changing formats of data where they need to have confidence in their data and increasingly in sort of intraday or real-time. And for most of them, the generations of technology that were fit for purpose 20 years ago have been wrapped with spreadsheets and wrapped with IT code and are no longer fit for purpose in a real-time world where not everything's standardised. So again, it's, you know, it's a huge industry problem. We've invested heavily in that area. We spent over 30 million since you know, 2012 on building out our platform to help firms do that. And I think when it comes back to fintechs and innovation, we're absolutely leading in terms of what's going on in in that particular area. So, you know, how do I see the business over the next three, five years? We've got three core areas that are aligned to big market challenges where we're extending our platform and uh, building out our team. We're building out globally in terms of offices. We're hiring up right now in Asia. We're scaling up our US team. Uh, We're building up in Europe and we're also hiring in domain skills so that we're not just a technology vendor, but we actually understand the customer's use cases, the customer's applications, that we can talk the language of banking, we can talk the language of insurance as much as we can go and talk techie. And they bring all of that together. It's actually quite a compelling mix.